Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. It continues to be Wednesday, the 27th of May. I I, I have to keep checking uh, the day and the date this week because uh, the four-day week, the three-day holiday, the four-day week completely throws me off. But it is Wednesday, which means that Bill English is up next. So I thought I would uh, share some what I'm describing as home economics headlines before Bill and I talk about really Christian stewardship. Uh, the stewardship of uh, of of our lives and uh, and our businesses and our assets and all those good kinds of things. All right, so here are a couple of of home economic headlines for this morning. Prudential commissioned a uh, a survey by Morning Consult uh, of full time workers, and so what they wanted to know was what are the challenges that people are facing by working remotely. And so it's sort of the it's taking the pulse. It's actually called the Pulse of the American Worker Survey. So more than 2000 full time employed adults were surveyed. And the biggest issues that people are facing are distractions and lack of focus. Did I mention that we now have two puppies? Uh, Isolation, a big issue for a lot of people. Both of those uh, are in the 40 percent answer category. And then the next two answers, both got 34% answers. Blurred line between work and life. There's just no question about that. And I think that the the distractions, lack of focus, and the blurred line between work and life, that's sort of the same answer. So that's really 74% of the people. Let's just be honest here. And then there is uh, the answer, which is adjusting to new working dynamics, which is also, I think, related to the isolation answer. And so I really think that we're talking about people who were given a long list of things to choose from, and these are the things they chose. And there are really constellations of answers here that help us sort of see what's happening. The isolation that people are experiencing is hard because we have to adjust to these new working dynamics, being isolated from one another. And then we also have all of these distractions and a lack of focus and a blurred line between work and life. And that's really the overwhelming number of people, the challenges that we're facing. Uh, But next on the list, and of great issue for me because of where I live is inadequate technology. Um, it's different when you are uh, at work in a big building with a lot of people with a T1 line or some other, I don't know, there's probably even something bigger than that now, versus out here on your like uh, six, like, I don't know, I, I get like six up, which is not a lot of up on my Wi-Fi. Okay, so there you go. Um, There are some downsides to remote work. There are a lot of upsides wondering how you are thinking about the upside and downside of remote work and whether or not you're going back to work. Then we've got this one. This is a headline that I found super interesting this morning. Americans are actually behaving. We're talking about spending here. Americans are actually behaving very differently than in previous recessions. Convinced that the coronavirus pandemic will soon pass, many continue to spend money as if nothing has changed. Think about that. Think about the staggering numbers of of Americans who are now unemployed 
and the reality that most Americans, the overwhelming majority of Americans, are continuing to spend money as if nothing has changed. Uh, So the sort of latest part of that report is the Commerce Department's new home sales report, which showed that home sales increased in April despite nationwide lockdowns. So there you go. That's what's uh, going on in the home economics of the country. And up next, Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. Can hardly wait to talk with him about wealth, humility, and business ownership. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me again today, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. It sounds like you have a new um, walk-up song, Bill. Yeah, I asked him to do Mandisa this morning just to see what that would feel like. I'm getting a little tired of Huey Lewis, and uh, I need new walk-up <laughs> How music. can you get tired of Huey Lewis? <laughs> I'm sorry. Now the zip line. Now, now that people are going to like text in, they're going to just go wild. Yeah, yeah I, well, I think maybe, so. Maybe we should have uh, people text in and say, here's the music Bill should have. As his walk oh, no. up for the show. No, because Eeyore doesn't really have a song. Eeyore doesn't. Oh, that's right. I'm Bummer Bill. This is Bummer <laughs> Bill Wednesday. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. You are no longer Bummer Bill. Uh, that we're just adopting a whole new, a whole new persona today. All right, you and I right. are going to talk about uh, a passage of scripture. Tell us what passage of scripture we're talking about and why we're talking about it today. Uh, we are talking about uh, Deuteronomy 10, uh, or 8, verses uh, 10 through 18. And that's where we are going to find out Moses' instruction about wealth, humility, and business ownership. And that's an article that I have out at BibleandBusiness.com. Uh, you know, I can read this or you can read this. Uh, I don't know if we want to take the time to do that here on the air, but... Uh, what would you like yeah, to do? Here? Yeah, man, read it. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 18. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build the fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow large, your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You know, he led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Now you may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. I love this passage of Scripture. There and just just so you know, there are people who are asking right now. They are googling: is the Hard Rock Cafe uh, named after this passage of scripture? I don't know the answer to that question, but I know that the question has been provoked by your reading of this. 
Oh, really? I, I've never yeah. heard that. I've never heard that before. There you go. So that's that's, I, that's what I'm here for, Bill. I'm here for. <laughs> I'm here to put totally extraneous thoughts in people's heads that will lead them to research something today that brings uh, regular everyday life into contact with the eternal. Trying to gain an eternal perspective on things. All right, God is trying to give us here an eternal perspective um, on wealth because clearly. What's happening in this passage of Scripture is the expectation of, of fine houses and full tummies and big herds and flocks and silver and gold being multiplied. I mean, there's, wealth is in view here. So talk about what you see in this passage of Scripture um, and how it, it instructs us in these areas of life. Well, I see Moses understanding that uh, before Israel gets to the land of milk and honey— he sees into the future and he can see the fact that once they get there and like you said, their bellies are full and they've got money and they got fine houses and boy, the economy's doing well and, uh, you know, things are kind of calmed down, that they're going to become proud, that, that the main temptation for them is going to become pride to forget God and to say, you know what, I did this, I built this, I did that. And uh, that pride, Moses sees as a real danger to the health and the vitality of the of the church and of the uh, community. Uh, and so he is warning them here uh, that when you have eaten, I mean, there are seven things here. You've eaten, you're satisfied, you built fine houses, you settled down, your business is going well, you have more money, and all that you're doing is multiplying. Uh, boil that down to common English. Everything you touch turns to gold. Uh, boy, the temptation to become proud and forget the Lord are going to be very, very evident for you, and you need to be on guard against that. And and I keep coming back to this, Carmen. Does that not sound like the United States of America? In like January. In January? <laughs> Is this In part January? of the creative process? <laughs> no, right? In January of 2020, were we not oh, like I fat see. and happy and satisfied and living in our fine homes and going through our routines and, you know, counting our flocks and our herds and, uh, you know, and putting away our silver and gold into barns and, you know, and and then taking all the credit for ourselves as if this were an economy that we grew and we did this ourselves and like, right? We, instead of remembering that uh, all of the honor and glory are due to the Lord, it's his land. Um, you know, this land is not our land. This land is his right. land. Um, right. We are not self-made. We are God-made. Um, and in many, many cases and ways, we have forgotten God in so many parts of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you listen to the politicians and they all take credit for a great economy and they all blame each other for a bad economy. And you listen to uh, both sides of the political spectrum. And the number one thing people are often after is a great economy, because then that means we're, we're a successful nation. And I just wonder when we're going to realize that a successful nation is much more than just a good economy. It's how we treat each other. It's what we're accomplishing to, to uh, take care of the poor and the sick and the elderly and to do things that um, <clears throat> further the kingdom of God. I, I, you just don't hear that very much in our political discourse. Now, you may hear it from one side of the aisle more than you hear it from the other side, but neither side is as interested in really serving those who need help as much as they are in making sure that they are shoring up their base so that they can get reelected. 
Okay, I've written down, um, do I do I use the word blessed or do I use the word successful? We're going to talk about that when we come back, because I'm just springing yeah. that on Bill this morning. It's part um, of the gonna... creative process, right? <laughs> it is. It's, part, it's called a conversation for a reason. It is. All right. So we're going to talk about what we see in this passage um, in terms of the things about which we need to be careful, the temptations that are unmasked, and then, um, you know, how to how to look forward positively, even as we are remembering what God has done. So do you think about yourself as being blessed, or do you think about yourself as being successful? And what's the difference? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm with Bill English, and we'll be right back. Nobody wants to be my friend. What's a donkey to do? Nobody wants to be my friend. Except for Winnie the Pooh. Okay, so come to find out there is an Eeyore song. Just earned your entire year's salary right yeah, there. I want you to I know. know. That. That's hilarious. Oh my goodness. Okay. Woo. Regaining, <clears throat> regaining composure. Um, there is an Eeyore song. Oh, can that please be Bill English's? No, that doesn't oh, sound like a. Con- no, it's so cute. Well, now it's so cute. It's not true of you at all, but it's such a cute little song. All right, so. Oh, I love it. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Paul. Oh, Very you're nice. quite welcome. Oh, you nice. you you guys Ooh. put the challenge up. I had to grab it. You know, I had to. You know, I feel like maybe part of our role, Bill, in your life is the humility portion. Oh, really? You're so <laughs> well, I don't know, right? I mean, just, just saying, like, right. <laughs> All right, we are talking wealth, humility, and business ownership this morning with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. We are talking about Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verses 10 to 18, um, he is not an Eeyore, but he is so kind to let us tease him. Um, okay, so, Bill, back to this yes. passage of Scripture. Um, yes. We are uh, encouraged to be careful. Let's talk about the things about which we're encouraged to be careful, and then let's talk about uh, both the temptations to sin um, and, in my view, sort of like what the remedy, what the remedy verses are here. Yeah, a great way to put that, actually. Uh, the careful parts uh, were, were three things. Uh, praise the Lord. Be careful to praise the Lord for the good land that he has given you. Uh, in business, that would be raw materials. Uh, and be careful, secondly, to not forget about God. In other words, keep him in your view. Uh, from a Brother Lawrence perspective, practice the presence of Jesus. And uh, thirdly, be careful to continue to obey his commands. Uh, even though we're doing well <clears throat> and we're satisfied and we have nice houses and all that, let's still be careful to obey his commands. And again, the temptations to sin here when you do well uh, financially is to become proud and to forget the Lord. And uh, that's that's something that I think everybody in business faces at one time or another. Success is a much more difficult trial than failure, in my estimation. Absolutely. I, I, there's no question about that. And um, yeah. so I think that the what I wrote, what I wrote down there is when and how in what ways do I take credit for what God has done? Because for me, that's really kind of the difference between understanding that I'm blessed, that God's the one who's prepared and advanced the good works for me to do. He's the one who has his grace is all sufficient who has, you know, every good gift has come from the Father above. 
Um, and so I view myself as blessed. I mean, I have been a good steward of those gifts, talents, and abilities. I haven't just gone and buried them out of fear, but I have, um, you know, sought to make them productive, not just so that I might be blessed, but so that others might be blessed as well. And so I'm wondering, Bill, if that connection or disconnect maybe between understanding ourselves to be successful and understanding ourselves to be blessed is a part of this conversation. Yeah, because, yeah, in fact, you uh, you hit the nail on the head when you alluded to Matthew 25, where the wicked servant went and buried his uh, talent in the in the ground, so to speak, so that he could give it back to the master when the master returned. Um, the the way, I, the way I look at it, Carmen, is this, is that God gives us an awful lot to be successful, but we have to make choices consistent with his commands in order to experience his blessings. And that's the successful, that's our part in that, in that success equation, if I can put it that way. So um, God comes along and he gives us the raw materials. Uh, here it says he gives us the ability to produce wealth. And then in Matthew 25, in that in that parable of, of the talents, it says that the master gave talents to each servant according to his ability. And so God gives us the ability to do things. He gives us the talents to do things. He gives us the opportunities and the raw materials to do things. We have to make the choice to actually do those things so that we can experience God's blessing. And to me, it's it's a cooperative effort. But the blessing of God is both ambient, it's contextual, and it's also integrated into what we're doing at the same time, if that makes any sense. I don't know if it does. It makes no, sense it makes, to me. No, it, def- it definitely does. It definitely makes sense. All right, so echoes of Matthew 25, as we are reading Deuteronomy 8, those are good um, texts to have in conversation with one another. I would actually uh, turn that around, and I would say that when we're reading Matthew 25, we ought to be, we, we should be having this echo effect from Deuteronomy 8. And I I do, well, I mean, I I just think that those of us who are New Testament readers, if we are not also students of the Old Testament, we don't hear all the echoes of the Old Testament in the New Testament that God intends for us to hear, which is part of this remembering business. If we don't know it, if we're not in it, if I'm not in the Word every day, um, I don't even know uh, the things that are true about God over time in order that I can lift them up in my memory um, and have them serve as a salve in, you know, in the day in which I now live. And so what we got to do is learn about both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And as we do that, we will begin to see how God has woven this entire tapestry of, of a narrative about how he's going to bring us back to himself and, uh, and in the process redeem uh, all that has been, um, how I say, depraved because of sin. <laughs> Yeah, it's all going to get redeemed. It's all going to get redeemed. It is. It's um, all going to get redeemed, and the chaff is going to get thrown out. So, Amen. All right, you and I have to leave it right there. Uh, you're right. going to enjoy. Hey, you're going to enjoy my next conversation. This is a dude you would really like. His name's David Chadwick. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. He lives in Charlotte. He is definitely a dude you would like. So, um, you know, so hang with us. All right, I will. Thanks. That's Bill English that. from BibleandBusiness.com. Check it out. We'll be right back. All right. Are you experiencing any anxiety? Are you anxious? Uh, David Chadwick, who is a pastor and an author and a former NCAA basketball phenom, 
Uh, he's going to join me. We're going to talk about his book. We're going to talk about, maybe more importantly, what it just looks like to move beyond anxiety. The book is Moving Beyond Anxiety. David Chadwick and I are going to talk about 12 super-duper practical strategies to help us move beyond it and renew our minds. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, you guys know this is listener-supported radio. You know that we do what we do every day uh, because we love the Lord and we love you, and we are trying to bring the things of faith to bear on the things of life, and we need your help in order to do that effectively. Uh, And so we are... uh, really just a very short distance away from being fully funded. Our fiscal year ends at the end of June. And so we basically have a month left for you to um, come on board. We really need eight people at a dollar a day to be fully funded by the end of June. And so why wait? Why don't you become one of those people? We call it Team 360. It's a dollar a day, uh, $30 a month. You could come in uh, at that level. It's our most popular giving level. We'd invite you to do that. You could text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. You could also call that same number, um, or you can give securely online at myfaithradio.com. We had a wonderfully, um, I'm going to use the word successful, uh, I should be using the word blessed, wonderfully blessed spring share effort. We are now um, just really close to our fully funded goal. And so if you didn't get the opportunity to participate in Spring Share, or you've thought to yourself, you know what, I don't really need my stimulus check. I could pass that along to Faith Radio, and they could use it to effectively sow the seed back into uh, my community and others with the Word of God. Why don't you just go ahead and consider a Team 360 gift or a day sponsorship? That's $1,800. Maybe there's a special day you'd like to sponsor in honor of someone or something. Uh, we'd invite you to do that, uh, that kind of thing as well. All right, you can give securely online at MyFaithRadio.com or text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. David Chadwick on Moving Beyond Anxiety, up next. This is Max Lacan. All tests are temporary, limited in duration. 1 Peter 1.6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Some tests end on earth. But all tests will end in heaven, right? In the meantime, let God train you. He watches the way you handle the little jobs. Jesus promised in Matthew 25, 21, If you're faithful over a few matters, I will set you over many. Do you aspire to do great things? Excel in the small things. Don't complain. Let others grumble, not you. When you're given a task, take it. When you see a hurt, address it. Compassion matters to God. This is a time for service, not self-centeredness. Cancel the pity party. Love the people God brings to you. He will work in you what is pleasing to Him. This is Max Lacato. With this reminder, you will get through this. All right. Jo- joining me now is David Chadwick. Uh, I met him first as uh, the friend of Rick and D. Ray, my friends on Hilton Head. <laughs> but he is uh, also a fantastic pastor. He is an author. He's a great encourager. He is also a radio talk show host. He is here to talk today about his book, Moving Beyond Anxiety, 12 Practical Strategies 
to renew your mind. David, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Well, thank you, Carmen. It's a pleasure being with you and on your show. Thank you. So much fun to have you. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's start with this. Why are we anxious? Well, we're anxious because we really think we control everything and we don't control anything. And the truth is uh, in our anxiety to look at life and think that we control everything and everything gets out of control, we then get nervous and are unable to move forward in life. So it's a crippling anxiety that we feel because we think something bad is going to happen. And in that looking forward to life being out of our control, we just can out of control, use our lives for nothing. But you've, I mean, you know, you've certainly never suffered from that. You've certainly never suffered from the delusion that you are in control of everything to discover that you're not, right? I mean, you you know, you've been a really, you've been an incredibly successful individual. You, um, you know, you were an NCAA basketball player, a part of the Final Four team at Chapel Hill. Um, you have graduate degrees. You've pastored a church and grew it to really extraordinary influence. You're planting another church now. You're a radio host. You're an author. You've never experienced anxiety, right? (laughs) I am flesh and blood. I live in a human body in, in a broken world. I live among broken people. And the truth is I go through it just like everybody else does. And just at the point where I think I've got it all under control and I'm really doing well, uh, something happens and the Lord reminds me very clearly, whoops, that's not true. And and Carmen, for anyone who thinks they're in control, then they just need to look around them at this pandemic right now with COVID-19 and see, man, I'm not in control of anything. And all of us are looking forward to going, you know, what's going to happen next? And, you know, the truth is nobody really knows. That's where we've got to depend upon the one who does know. So that's the really the the transition in the conversation to the who, um, because there is a who that is really influential in helping us overcome anxiety and worry. So who is the who? Well, the who is the Lord, of course, and you know that that God is the one who created this world, and He is the one who began this world with a spoken word, and He is the one who controls its. Uh, going on right now and its ultimate end. I mean, God is the one who made it. God is the one who controls it. And it's in our trust in him that we can have the security that we need in order to not be anxious. I mean, it really is that simple. The antidote to anxiety is faith. I mean, Jesus said so himself in Matthew 6, 25. He said, don't be anxious for anything about food or fashion or water. Look at creation, he said, and how God cares for the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. Then he says, and how much more will he care for you, the crown of his creation? And then he chides his followers a bit, Carmen, and he says, oh, you of little faith. And he really does want us to believe like little children that he's in control of everything. Our trust is in him. And when we do so uh, with uh, anxiety, we should see it decrease because faith is the antidote to it. So if you're looking um, to be equipped to defeat your worry and your fear forever by trusting God and exercising your faith daily, uh, we want to invite you to check out Moving Beyond Anxiety. You can do so at movingbeyondanxiety.com. David Chadwick is offering us 12 practical strategies to renew the mind. Um, Let's talk about the first step, because the first step is really the critical one before I start, you know, before I start working on the strategies, I have to take the first step. So what's the first step? The first step 
is to obviously believe that God controls everything. And then the next step, which is so key, Carmen, this is absolutely the essential one. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to focus your thought life on that faith perspective. And your mind is being bombarded daily by different thoughts that are coming in. And that's why Paul said in Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Uh, he's the one who said in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive because the truth is you are what you think. And whatever you think is causing you to feel what you feel. Your anxiety isn't happening in a vacuum. It's a feeling that's being motivated by a thought. So with your thought life, look at what is bombarding your mind through social media, through television, through news networks, whatever it may be, and take those negative thoughts that are causing the anxiety, those thoughts of, oh, I'm not in control, what's going to happen, and give them to the Lord and replace them with thankful thoughts, replace them with a remember, uh, memory thoughts where you remember when God came through for you in the past and he'll come through for you again if he did so once before. You know, replace those negative thoughts with positive thoughts thoughts, and that is the beginning for being able to defeat anxiety. So I'm talking with uh, pastor, author, I mean, he has such a long list of attributes, David Chadwick, uh, about his book, Moving Beyond Anxiety, 12 Practical Strategies to Renew Your Mind. We're inviting you to check it out at movingbeyondanxiety.com. You'll also um, see there the Moments of Hope website, which I think you will enjoy as well. David and I will continue this conversation in just a moment. Continuing my conversation with Dr. David Chadwick, we're talking about his book, Moving Beyond Anxiety, 12 Practical Strategies to Renew Your Mind. David, let's talk about um, some of the strategies. And then my listeners know I have a real fondness for epilogues and appendices. And so um, I'm just warning you in advance, I'm, I'm intending to turn there. Okay, I'll follow <laughs> your lead, Carmen. <laughs> so there are, um, there are 12 on the list. Um, and I'm going to read the first few because I think that they will be... Um, uh, maybe a little bit easier for people to just quickly understand, but then I want to talk about number four. So focus on faith, pray, fast, and then cast. What does cast mean? Well, cast is taking seriously First Peter 5, 7, where the author of the book, Peter, says, cast all your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. And that word cast is a violent throwing of an object from one place to another. Uh, let your listeners think about the casting of a net in a boat, which Peter would have understood very well as a fisherman. It is a violent casting of the net out into the sea in order to catch fish. Another place where the word cast is used in the New Testament is Jesus cast out demons. Uh, he did that forcibly, powerfully. He did not look at the demon and say, oh, would you please leave the body? No, he commanded it to leave immediately and go into another place. 
So that whole cast idea is the forcible throwing of something to a completely different place. That's what Jesus wants us to do with our cares, to take them off our shoulders and to throw them onto his shoulders. And the whole idea there is once it leaves your hand with a forcible throw, you know, imagine a pitcher with a 90 mile mile an hour fastball, a quarterback throwing a 50 yard touchdown pass. Once you throw it to him, you drop your hands and you don't want God to throw it back to you. It is one of the few times a father does not want to play catch with his kids. You give it to him. Now, how can you know that you have thrown it to him and he has caught it? It's because he cares for you. You look at the love of the Lord seen on the cross. You look at the love of the Lord seen uh, in the incarnation when he comes into this world to pursue us. And because we know how much he cares for us, loves us, willing even to die on the cross, we can throw our cares upon him, leave them on his shoulders, walk away as little children, and know that he's carrying them. All right. And then once it's cast, it needs to be filled. Like, right. I don't want to just clean the house and leave it vacant. I want to fill it with um, with a refocused mind on the things of God. Talk with us about the things we ought to be considering or pondering or remembering. Well, I think one thing that we should always remember is the incarnation. Remember that Jesus came and left the splendor of heaven to enter the squalor of this world. The other thing we should consider is the cross. Look at the horrific pain that our Lord underwent in order for us to be saved, for our sins to be forgiven and be granted the gift of eternal life. We should also, Carmen, remember the resurrection. Uh, Remember that death could not control him, death could not conquer him, and that same gift of eternal life that is evidenced in the resurrection is given to us. There are all kinds of proofs of the resurrection, undeniable proofs, Look at the resurrection. And finally, another one that we should replace in our thought life is remember a time when God came through for us in the past. Remember a miracle. Remember a time when we were desperate, we didn't have any hope, and suddenly, miraculously, Jesus came through for us. And here's the truth. If he did it once, he can do it again. So replace those anxious thoughts with all of those wonderful memories of the incarnation, the cross, the resurrection, a miracle time in our own lives, and then you'll find, amazingly, your heart is filled with faith and hope instead of the anxiety. All right, again, I'm talking with Dr. David Chadwick, uh, and so, David, maybe um, maybe take us into uh, the the epilogue. I mean, I, the appendix is wonderful. Faith is more caught than taught. And so I'm just encourage people um, that you're going to you're going to love that as evangelicals. Um, but talk with us about the epilogue, everything you need to know to overcome anxiety. Well, what the epilogue does is it goes through each one of all of the 12 principles and gives a Bible verse that will allow them to know that God is in control and God really cares for them. So as you face anxiety, I just walk through each one of them. Focus your heart on faith. Make sure you pray, but not just pray, pray with faith. Make sure you fast from any thought life that is controlling you that's not allowing you to focus on the Lord. Cast, like we just talked about, all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Consider creation. Look at all the way this world perfectly fits together. As you look at creation, then you can can allow the one who made this world to control even your worst problems right now. Ponder the prepositions. That looks at all the prepositions that we know of in our lives that God is for us. He lives in us. He goes before us. He 
exists over us. Uh, he is controlling everything. He's around us. He lives through you. Look at all those prepositions and your faith will grow and your anxiety will decrease. Remember what we just talked about, the incarnation, the resurrection, you know, all that God has done for you on the cross. Remember the miracles. Sing. Sing all your problems away. Find songs of faith and sing them over and over again. Remember your body, that your body is connected to your mind. And if your body's unhealthy, it will cause anxiety to increase. Develop an eternal perspective. Sit with Jesus on his throne and look at your problems from his perspective. They will become increasingly smaller as you do so. Get good teammates. If you've got people walking with you in life who are dragging you down, feeding you negativism, get rid of them. Find people who will walk with you and encourage you. And finally, realize that God did not give you a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, God gave you a sound mind, one that's filled with faith. So realize that if you're feeling anxiety and fear, God didn't give that to you. That's not how he wants you to live. Fear is the first negative emotion mentioned in the Bible in Genesis 3.7. It's not from the Lord. He wants your fear to be replaced with his presence. And the closer you draw to him, the more faith will grow in your life. One of the things that stands out to me, David, in your book is... Um is the expulsive power of the new affection, right? The the way that our mind is renewed when thoughts are replaced, when fear is replaced, when something is put in its place. So I'm going to put fear in its place through casting, but I'm also going to put something in that place. Um, and that really comes through, I think, really in a powerful way. And that's a good strategy. Like, that's a helpful I can do like that's an empowering. I can do that kind of strategy. Yeah, you know, Carmen, th this book and the twelve strategies really are twelve spiritual disciplines, mm -hmm. and anybody can do them. And what you really want to invite people to do is practice these for some period of days, and you'll start to see them work. What you just said is exactly right. Again, that's what Paul meant in 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 5, when he said, take every thought captive. And that word thought uh, captive in the Greek is a spearing. So when that thought enters your mind, you literally spear it and you usher it out of your mind and then replace it with a thankful thought, with a positive thought, with a faith-filled thought, with a hopeful thought. And over time, when you start filling your mind with those kind of positive things, those negative things don't want to enter anymore. What, what's that old phrase? I heard fear knock on the door of my heart. I sent faith in Jesus to answer it. The door was opened and fear was gone. I think it really is that simple, but it is a hard spiritual discipline to begin to exercise. David Chadwick, thank you so very much. You guys need to check out movingbeyondanxiety.com. That's one of the places that you can find the new book, Moving Beyond Anxiety. You can also find it from our friends over at IVP. Um, David, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Blessings. You know, Carmen, a pleasure being with you. God bless you. Tell Rick and Dee hello when you talk to them, and it's always good to talk with you. Likewise. So appreciative of your ministry. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. God bless All right, let me encourage you today to be a sower of peace. Um, there are there There is, let me just go ahead and tell you, there is going to be an opportunity today for you to sow peace. And let me encourage you to do it. Um, sow peace in a conversation. Sow peace on social media. Sow peace with a neighbor. Um, we are living in a world that is ripe with hostility, not just hostility toward the gospel, but just hostility toward regular folks. And so you and I, 
as agents of grace and ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, have to actively commit ourselves to be sowers of peace. So sow peace with me today in the world that God so loves that other people may come to know the reality of who God is. Let that be the longing of our collective heart today. Um, Thanks for joining me this morning. Thanks for praying with me and for me. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.